This is BTS with CTV Behind the Scenes, Behind the Stories we bring you from the CTV Vancouver Newsroom. My name is Penny Daflos and I'll be your guide behind the curtain to the fiercely competitive news business and the gentlemen's agreements that are often upheld but sometimes kicked to the curb. While Hollywood movies often depict the ugly side of journalism in what most of us would consider a very exaggerated way, there is some truth to the stereotype of it being a cutthroat industry, at least at times. off this podcast with reporter Brianna Carson-Smith, Maria Weisgarber standing by as well. And I just wanted to, there was a bit of a, a I'm going to say a heated discussion this morning, ladies. And I thought this would be a good opportunity to discuss, um, I guess, courtesy and how we interact with other news organizations because... I mean, we were joking about Anchorman when you see like the West Side Story style fight, right? Like who's got the chains and who's got the knives the and who's got the, the rumble. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and Brianna had a bit of a issue that I thought would be a really good example of how courtesy and how you think you set things up a certain way and sometimes they go sideways. So Brianna, um, sketch out for us exactly the issue that you had uh, the other day. Sure. So, I mean, we all remember in February when... Uh, um Delta police officer John Jasmines was stabbed while breaking up a domestic fight while he was just picking up his kids from school. It was one of those stories that really um, captures, I think, the city in greater Vancouver. Um, And he was injured really badly, and we wanted to follow up and and chat with him after that. But obviously with his injuries, he was... um, you know, in bed rest for a little while and hesitant to talk to us. So I followed up with Delta Police. Uh, I have a relationship with them that I've been trying to, you know, foster and and work on. And um, I followed up with them and said, you know, is he ready yet? Is he ready yet? And one day I got an email back about a month ago and they said, yeah, he he's, would be willing to do an interview. Uh, he's really passionate about a blood donation. Could we touch on that too? I said, absolutely. And they said, okay, last week of April, he's available. And so three weeks ago we set this interview up um and the way that it was set up was that we were going to get to interview him first it seems like such a small little thing but after the footwork i'd put into it fostering those relationships uh doing those stories keeping those emails going i felt that we deserved to have that you know it's a little thing but it you can kind of hang it on your coat hook at the end of the day Plus, it's a big story because it's hero cop off duty getting involved. It's it's a great story and it's great to hear from the person at the center of it. Yeah. So fast forward to last night, I was doing the final details on my days off and uh, get a note from my assignment desk saying, well, you know, he talked to the competition today and my heart just drops because it's like uh, we could have done it yesterday. We could have done it on Monday, um, but we, you know, scheduled it for the day that we did and Again, my understanding was that that was going to be the first time that he talked. Now, do viewers watch more than one station? I don't think so. But did they see that online? Maybe. Um, So it's less impactful, I think, when it's on our newscast. And because of that, we'll likely... um, air it later in the show uh from my understanding i did reach out to the people who helped me organize it and said hey why just for my own um clarification and then for future planning how can i word things better how can i go forward and, and be a better journalist in setting these things up and they said listen he had a radio interview scheduled and then a tv station came and said you know we'll grab him too that day it was a last minute thing 
And I can see how that could happen completely. I don't fault, um, you know, the people who helped me set it up at all. Uh, it's not their job to make sure that we get, you know, what we would call the exclusive. But then to watch our competitor brand it as this exclusive when we have an interview scheduled for less than 24 hours later that we've had scheduled for three weeks, not for three minutes. Um, it, it hurt a little bit. Well, and I think I've encountered this before where the layperson doesn't understand and they say, oh, well, I, I know I promised it to you, but, you know, I, I talked to you first. And it's like, well, you talk to me at one o'clock and then you talk to them at two o'clock. And so we all run it at the same time. It's, it hits the web at the same time. It hits the uh, the TV waves at the same time. So, yeah, you talk to me first like you promised, but that's not kind of the end result so maybe we need to do a better job letting people know kind of what that means but at the same time um it is an ultra competitive business and sometimes competitors see the opportunity and they swoop in there um because you know they're they're trying to do their job too and when i look at what the viewers are getting out of this yes you're right we are so competitive in here um but for me, if it is going to run later today, that's a disservice to our viewers because maybe they didn't see it on our competitor. Maybe they didn't see it online. You know, if there's someone at home who doesn't, you know, subscribe to all the different news outlets in the city and they turn off their TV within the first 10 minutes, they're not going to see the story of this hero cop, which I worked hard on. They deserve to see and his story deserves to be told. And so had we had, you know, someone called me up yesterday and said, hey, listen, your competitors coming in today. Anyway, you can switch it. I would have been happy to do that. But now it just maybe it hurts my pride a little bit too to come in a day later and say, here's a story. Is there a new way I can tell it? You know, challenging myself that way. So I just feel bad for our viewers. They will still get the story, though. And you're going to tell it with your um, typical engaging fashion. So I'm sure that they will get that. It's just, yeah, it's just professionally, it's just such a kick in the shins. And you just kind of feel crummy for the rest of the day. Just so that people out there, you know, we we seem like these dispassionate people. And, you know, we we hold these um, stories at arm's length. And I feel like the topic is at arm's length. But this is a matter of professional pride. And I think that's why it affects us as journalists so much when something like this happens. And I think as all journalists, we have to be careful with those sexy words, the breaking news, the exclusive, the you'll only see this here. It's like, that's what viewers are seeing. Be honest about it, because this is not an exclusive. We've had this set up for three weeks. It's not an exclusive to either of us at this point, which is fine. But then don't use that term. Or if it's breaking news, maybe four hours ago, you know, if there hasn't been any development, maybe it's a developing story. So I think as journalists and as people in newsroom, we all have to look at those sexy words. Do they catch your ear? Probably. But make your writing catch the words. Make the story catch those ears. Um, I, I would challenge anyone listening to this to really look at that and say, is this what I'm branding it as? And I think we have to be careful about that as an industry, because I think if we do that too often or say, oh, you know, this is new, sometimes it's just such an infinitesimal update that I don't like to do it. And I'm happy to just say update, whether it's on Twitter or whatever. And I don't think there's anything wrong with saying update. I don't think it has to be breaking or like, you know, scoop or whatever all the time, because sometimes it is a pretty minor thing. Agreed. And it's the boy who cried wolf syndrome, right? And the more I see breaking on my Twitter feed, the less inclined I am to read it. So uh, yeah, I think it is something that we also watch out for.
Maria, I mean, we've had a, a lot of examples of this kind of thing over the years, but you had a, a recent one as well where you had set up an interview. It was really important, uh, kind of a, a, an emotional story, and, and things did not go as planned for you either. Yes, I had a story recently uh, where I'd done the interview. In fact, the story was also... Uh, edited and ready to run and thank goodness in this case because we had made a plan to air the story the following week and that was fine and I had uh, requested of the person I interviewed you know if you do end up speaking to anybody else you know I'd appreciate it if you could just let me know no big deal he said sure sure all fine so um I was a little nervous you always kind of feel like in the back of your mind well, you know, something could happen. Um, things change. I'm waiting till next week. It's a long time in, in the news world. It doesn't seem like that long, but it is like a long time to wait when you're waiting to air something. Um, so I had my, my concerns in the back of my head, but I kind of just, you know, put those away and thought, no, no, you know, he's going to be in touch. And luckily the story was ready to go. And then it ended up happening that out of the blue on a particular day uh, before the day I had designated that the story was going to run, um, it popped up on a competitor station. And I hadn't heard from the interview subject, and I was I was floored. I couldn't believe it. I was scrambling to get it on the air, and luckily we did. But I, when I contacted the interview subject, he told me that uh, he had been told, oh, they, they said they weren't going to air it till the next week, as though he was sort of under the impression that he didn't need to let me know because there was no time sensitivity. It wasn't urgent. Now, I can't say what exactly he was told. I don't know. I'm not privy to that conversation. And I, I'm hoping that nobody out there is going to mislead people when it comes to uh, getting interviews. Um, but yeah, I mean, those situations are definitely frustrating when you, when you um, make those contacts, you put the work in, um, you feel like you've built a bit of a relationship. It's hard when you kind of see it be pulled out from under your feet when you're kind of, you feel that ownership towards a story. Um, but it definitely does happen. And, and my memory is terrible now, but it's probably not the only time that it's happened. And we've probably all experienced it as well. It is a little bit of the nature of the business. Um, but certainly it's, uh, it's frustrating and um, it's not a pleasant feeling, that's for sure. Especially because I don't think that our interview subjects are ever trying to, um, you know, mislead us or screw us over or anything like that. And sometimes I think, in all fairness to the reporters on the other side, because I think that we've all been in situations as well, where you tell them something which is to the best of your understanding, yeah, this is not running today, um, I don't intend to do anything like this or whatever. And then you have a discussion with your producers and all of a sudden they say, well, no, I, I want this now. And so things change for the reporters as well. So in all fairness to um, reporters on the other side of the story, sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it is their desks and the producers uh, because the reporter is uh, discussing it in good faith with the interview subjects. So it gets really complicated. And that's why I wanted to do this podcast because there are so many layers to it. And it's it's all around relationships between us and our interview subjects, between competition, between competitors. There's just so much. It's, it's very complicated. It's a, it's a giant bowl of spaghetti is what it is. <laughs> it is. It can get a little messy. And, you know, you do hear sometimes uh, about, you know, tactics that I would consider to be a little... Um, 
a little dirty maybe where they're sort of suggesting that oh well you don't need to talk to anybody else you know you only have to talk to us or don't worry about that and and I uh, I will say personally that I, I really uh, I really detest that type of thing now, I don't know how often that happens you do sort of hear about it hearsay through the grapevine type thing but uh, because honestly I mean what what is the point what really serves people what serves the people that want their story told at the end of the day that's what it should be about I mean yes there's always a little bit of competition and hopefully friendly competition but you shouldn't be um, in a way kind of preventing somebody from getting their story out there if it's something that they really want to tell now if they have a specific strong relationship with a certain reporter um, yeah it makes sense you know that they want to tell their story just to that reporter and that does happen, but I, I think that those relationships are things that are they're they're more they're not rare, but they do take time to build. And a lot of the stories that you see on a daily basis, it's not typically come from that type of relationship. Not always. It's more of a you know a, a, an approach and and just trying to help someone get that story out there without sort of because we're under that time pressure trying to also tell it in a, in a way that's that's timely you don't want someone to wait and wait and wait until the situation is passed and then maybe it doesn't have the um the context that it needs anymore um but that's fine i mean someone builds a relationship with someone and they want to tell that story trying to convince someone not to tell that story to someone else when they don't really have like a particular tie to any one reporter yeah I, I I don't like that. I don't like hearing about it because I think at the end of the day, even though we work for different stations, we're all doing the same service. We're doing the same job. Our job is to tell stories to the public, let them know what's going on, um, expose things that aren't being uh, you know made clear, um, challenging things, and um, just letting people share that and so uh yeah we work against each other a little bit but also um i think that actually in a lot of situations where we're all chasing the same story you know sometimes it's good to even help each other rather than be up against each other all the time well and before we get to the helping part because i do want to you know address how we um can be collegial in the field. Um, When the opioid crisis started, uh, one of the early parents to kind of speak up about a child who had um, overdosed and died when this whole fentanyl epidemic was starting, I'd gotten in touch with a father who um, was speaking out about it and it sounded like he wanted to do the interview. We actually went all the way out to, I think it was South Surrey somewhere, uh, because it sounded like he was going to agree to an interview. I think it was only a few days after his son had passed and then got to the house and knocked on the door because he hadn't returned my last text and ended up being really hostile at the door. And I was just really taken aback because we'd had a good conversation. It sounded like he wanted to to get his story out there because the, this opioid crisis was really just starting. Uh, and I just I said, OK, I, I have no problem. I, I, I'll leave you to your grief. I, I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I just thought that you wanted to talk and I left. And he ended up calling me the next day and apologizing because he had just done an interview with uh, another journalist who had encouraged him to not talk to anybody else about this whatsoever because he didn't have to. And so he just shouldn't. 
And then after we'd had our conversation and I, I just said, I, I just wanted to get your story out there so that other people know that this is happening to middle class families and all the rest of it, because it wasn't just a downtown east side issue we knew at this point. Um, he was really apologetic because he realized that I don't want to say that he was quite snookered, but that he was taken in by this line of, well, you know, don't bother. All you need to do is talk to us and that's fine. And he wasn't accomplishing everything that he wanted to do by getting his story out there by only talking to one person so we ended up on on good terms and stuff but he did apologize and 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 was very open with me about eventually what had happened and it's just I've never done that to somebody I've never said don't talk to the competition don't talk to anyone else I want to talk to them first I'm very competitive but I've never said don't get your story out there because that doesn't serve what they're trying to do and it really doesn't serve the public either I feel the same way I have to admit there have been times I've been tempted to say you don't need but I've never done it because that's not fair. It's not fair to the person. It's not fair uh, to someone who maybe doesn't know how some media can be or how they might work um, to say, oh, yeah, well, you don't need to. You know, we should be encouraging people to speak to the media anytime, anytime they feel like it, anytime they want to and they think it's important. I, I want people to feel that they can approach the media and that it's an important service and that it can be a way to help, you know, spread their message, tell their story, um, challenge something they feel needs to be challenged, that we are here sort of working as as members of the public to kind of help amplify whatever story that is. So by getting those mixed messages, and I'm sorry, like when I hear stuff like that, I, I I, the word that pops to mind is manipulative. It's Absolutely. it's it's manipulative. Absolutely. And, and 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 in that scenario, what gets me the most is that you're also you know this is a person who is in a, a, a very sensitive emotional state, super vulnerable. It's yeah. yeah, it's just it's gross. So to yeah to try to you know I'm not sure you know exactly what this person the journalist might have said, but to take advantage of someone in a state like that just for your own competitive edge is pretty distasteful and it totally does a disservice to our entire profession. I am completely against it. And you know what? If it's at the expense of everybody gets the story and not just, it's okay. Like I I would much rather everyone have a chance to get that story out as widely as possible. Because just by talking to one outlet, you may think, okay, well, that's it. And I, I know this is a good opportunity to share as well. You know, you you might want to think that yes, uh, the people who watch that outlet and but different different stations might you know look at different aspects of a story or there's different people they might reach. Now again, it's up to an individual who they want to talk to. But yeah, I would never I would encourage anyone who's ever given that line to just think about it. I mean, if they're comfortable, no, I'm fine. I just want to tell my story to these one this one outlet and that's it. That's fine. But I would also question, well, why are they asking me that? Why are they, you know, if I don't really know this person and have a good relationship with this journalist, why are they telling me I should only talk to one one reporter or one station? You know, I would I would question, honestly, their motives because, yeah, it's not something I've ever said to anybody. In fact, in that story that I was just referencing where uh, the, the competitor ran the story that day, um, no, I never told him. I, I said, please let me know if you speak to somebody else. But that was it. In fact, he had even asked me after our interview if I had a number for someone at the competition. <laughs> and, you know, I, I never once said to him, well, I said, you know what? You do whatever you think is best. I, I'm not going to, you know, tell you what to do one way or the other. 
And it is different than, I mean, if you are setting up an exclusive interview with somebody and you just say, we'd like to talk to you first. We'd like to have this story first. And I've had people say to me, um, you know, we did an interview with this. Oh, this happened just a few weeks ago. And they said, um, you know, we'd appreciate um, if you waited till six o'clock because this other station had interviewed us. They'd sat down for four hours. We did an extensive interview in our home and they've been waiting to do the story until today. And they're, they're starting it at five o'clock. So we would appreciate if you could wait till six. And in that case, it was a, I don't think we were even planning to run it at five o'clock. So I said, you know what? I don't think it's our lead story in our case. And they had done, the the competition had done, this was a different competitor, had done so much legwork on it. I talked to my producers and I said, we were late to the game on this. We were just doing it the same day. So it wasn't as a courtesy to our competition. It was a courtesy to our interview subject who'd agreed to talk to us on a very sensitive medical issue that I said, it's not going to be our lead story at 6, but I can't promise you it ain't going to be at 6.02. And they were fine with that because they also understood that we had a job to do. So it was a courtesy to the people that we were speaking with who'd asked this request, who'd made their request, not to the competition. But I also, I've been on the other side where you do all the legwork and all of a sudden everyone's doing the story the same day. So it's it's a really tough balance, especially when your competitive edge is just like, you know, leaping forward and, and you want to have it first. But, you know, when, when somebody is willing to open up on a really sensitive topic, you also have to be a human being. Absolutely. Well, of course, first and foremost. And if someone's willing to share something like that with you, for sure. I mean, you want to always take their feelings into account and how they're feeling about how things are progressing and how the story's airing. And we're definitely, absolutely, because it is such a personal thing for somebody that, yeah, you want to make sure you're treating them with compassion, which it sounds like, you know, of course, in that case, that was what you had in mind. You know, they, they were the whole situation seemed to be sounds like causing them a bit of anxiety about what was happening and these people that had sat down with them for a long time so you you were able to ease that by saying yeah no worries because at the end of the day this is a you know we're dealing with this person who has opened up to us and we're we're not going to make them feel worse in any way that you never want someone to walk away from a, an account, an encounter feeling like you know regretting that experience especially if it's something like deeply personal or really emotional you you know, we, we want to um, be very mindful of somebody's feelings and, uh, you know, and protect that if we can. On the flip side, too, I don't want people to think like it's what you see in the movies because it is not. I, I get enraged every time I see on TV or, 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 or a movie that, you know, it's just like these cutthroat reporters and they're ready to stab each other in the back. Yes, we're competitive. There is a bit of a code where we try to be courteous to each other. But there's also some cooperation in the field. Um, sometimes it's somebody that you've just known for a long time and you respect professionally. Other times, some of my best friends are journalists at other stations. And I can remember one uh, particular case many years ago when I was a rookie radio reporter, um, or someone who'd interned with us and ended up working for the competition showed up at an E-Division press conference late, and they had missed the entire press conference. And we were recording on Big Morant's uh, digital recorders at the time, and so it wasn't so easy to uh, share files as it was. And he says to me, I can't believe I missed this. I'm going to be in so much trouble. Can you give me the file? And I can't remember, because this was, I got a decade ago, I can't remember if I'd already told my boss they're not here or if it was just that I knew that they hadn't been there and I was so like phew like I'm, I'm here and they're not I'm gonna have the the content and I wouldn't give him the file because he hadn't shown up in time probably not his fault but still I just I couldn't do it because it was just not right I, I'm not going to undercut my own station but 
But then uh, about a month later, we ran into each other at another press conference and presser starts his uh, Marantz runs out of batteries because those things were notorious battery hogs. And so he starts fumbling to try because it was like four or six double A batteries on this thing. So he starts fumbling like crazy. And so I just calmly went to my bag. I pulled out a pack of my batteries. And as he's popping the lid, I pop out his batteries. I shove my batteries in there. So the whole turnaround was maybe 20 seconds because that was my way of saying, Sorry I didn't help you out last time, but this time you're here. I'll do a little something extra so that it's not like a one-minute turnaround. It was like maybe 20 seconds for him to get back in there and rolling. So little stuff like that. Our camera guys, sometimes you help each other. If you're set up with, with the lights or whatever for a stand-up for one reporter, you'll just share that. These are little things that don't really affect the end product. It's more almost creature comforts in the field that you're helping somebody with. So I don't want people to think oh my god the competition shows up and then it's going to be like a monkey knife fight out in the field like that's not what it's like uh, so I just want to wanted to highlight that a little bit as well I, th- I think absolutely and and those are perfect examples that you've described I mean I see that all the time you know like someone shows up and they forget a particular cable and they're at a press conference so someone might have a spare batteries absolutely a pen I mean <laughs> even a pen although not as many people are using the pen and paper these days I still use it <laughs> I, I do too I, I, I love writing things down versus just having it all digital but you know things Things like that for sure. Um, another place uh, where there can be some sort of collaboration is court. Um, I find because sometimes it's hard to hear in court when you're sitting in the gallery. Uh, the speakers aren't always completely clear or there may be someone really soft-spoken uh, and and you really have to make sure you catch those details if they're discussing anything like a publication ban or some really particular point or sometimes it's just some legalese that you're not really sure and everybody comes out on the break and you can see kind of everyone start to cluster together from different stations so did you catch that well, what, what did they mean when they said or did you hear what section of the criminal code that was and I mean in that case you know you, you kind of have to band together sometimes um, and, and they're not things that would sort of steal the competitive advantage from anybody. No, you're all there. I mean, you're all yeah. privy to the same information. That's not what it's about. But we, but you know, we, again, it comes back to that service element because at the end of the day, we are trying to do a public service. We're trying to tell people what's going on in their justice system, the open court public system. So we have to make sure that we're accurate. We have to make sure we understand it as clearly as we can. And it's not always easy to navigate. It can be quite obscure and quite hard to get information. So in those cases, yeah, it uh, it serves us all. And I think it serves our viewers and, and, and it serves listeners and readers um, if we can kind of work some of those things out together. And like you said, we're all there together anyway. It's not like anybody's going to get a, a special edge on anybody else. But yeah, sometimes for sure. I mean, we're, we do a unique job. It's a weird position to be in. So being able to sort of discuss some of those elements with other people that understand it is uh, it can be incredibly helpful. Um, you know, it doesn't go to the point of like sharing a you know a scoop with somebody I mean clearly there of course are not but I think that the advantage is also like I I feel like in a, in a court setting like that uh, my competitive advantage is I feel like I'm really good at taking a whole bunch of information and distilling it down into something I think you also have a gift for finding the human element for something so you're I'm going to look to your coverage it's going to be really different from somebody who's maybe just laying out the facts and I think each of us have to use our, our talents and our and our efforts to try to differentiate our reporting from everybody else in a setting because it's often a setting where everybody's there 
But I, I find also our, um, you know, consumers of news tend to gravitate towards the people who um, convey a, a perspective or a level of detail that they want to have. And so that's how we differentiate ourselves in our reporting. It's not just a matter of who got the name of the judge or the first name of the crown counsel. Like these are that's the level of detail that we're kind of sharing with each other. Section of the criminal code. Yeah, kind of we, boring stuff. Kind of boring stuff. And so we differentiate ourselves with our reporting and how we present that information, which varies widely reporter to reporter. Absolutely. Because, in, yeah, that's right. We can all sort of get together on those little nitpicky, okay, what section of the code was that? Okay, did you get that? Or did you hear what he said about the pub ban? Yes, good. But then we all go away and we're doing our own stuff. We have our own individual approaches based on what we hear or something that maybe triggered another thought for us. I mean, it's the same if you go to a press conference. I mean, yeah, there might be you know, six or seven different reporters there, but the chances are they're not all going to come away with the same thing. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I wanted to share, um, there's this legendary local reporter, which many of many people know George Garrett. His name is just, you know, most people know he worked for a radio station for many, many years. He's written a book recently and, and, um, I was reading just a little forward to that book. It's written by another fellow journalist. And in it, he shared a piece of wisdom that he said um, Garrett shared with him, which was share your tape. And share your tape. This is along the lines of what we're discussing. Um, what he meant was, you know, next time you might be the person to show up late to the press conference. So help someone out. Now, share your tape is a little bit, you know, maybe that might go a little bit farther than someone would do nowadays. Or, or maybe he just meant it's sort of the... Um, the philosophy, the philosophy as opposed to yeah. literal yeah there's nothing wrong in certain scenarios with helping somebody else out who's also trying to um just get that message out or get a story out um it's not going to change anything for your story um, but like throwing someone a battery or helping to decipher some strange legalese legal term that you heard um yeah i mean because at the end of the day even though we're all working separately and we are competitive, we're also kind of in it together. That's why you said, I mean, a lot of us are, you know, we have friends working at different stations. Definitely. There's, there's camaraderie there because it's a unique position to be in. It's a very different kind of job. It's uh it's just you end up in all these bizarre scenarios and, and you, you're, you, every day you're, you're starting completely from scratch. And, you know, it's nice to be with other people that understand that. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting, though, isn't it? It's the camaraderie and the competition. There's, there's a fine line there, but I think that most of us walk it and uh, appreciate the fact that we can walk it. And I appreciate the fact you're on the pod. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you to Brianna as well. And thank you for joining us on BTS with CTV. And I hope you'll check out my colleague Binder Sujan's Lady at the Ledge podcast, combining politics, current events, and Binder's smart and sassy take on the big issues of the week. Is there a topic you'd like me to cover on a future episode of the BTS podcast? Email me, bts at ctv.ca. And if you like what you heard, please subscribe for more insights, tidbits, and the stories behind the stories. I'm Penny Daphos.